we begin. First, I'm really excited to begin again our meetings. It seems like it was a long time. Uh, we're not broadcasting live, by the way, because that was always a problem. So I'm just going to, they're going to have to wait one week. Uh, one thing I would like to mention, this is for my parishioners. Uh, at some times you might see me very serious or maybe even rude. I hope that's not the case. But if you do see that, don't take it personally, because uh, it can be very many things that are going through my head, or I'm just in a rush. So a lot of times it will happen that someone would say, hey, hello, Father, and I'm like, hey, and I just walk by. And it's because, you know, there's something going on. You know, I have to get to a mission or something. Uh, just two days ago, I was Thursday, I think it was, yeah, when I went to South Dakota. And sister just, what sister was in her classroom and she just saw me go, so there's something going on. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, I forgot. So I guess we're fine. The, oh, yes, this. Um, I don't want it to seem rude that I'm drinking coffee in the middle of a conference. I do, hold on. <laughs> There's a reason for this, actually, and it's first, English is not my first language, and I'm melancholic. So, as you perhaps have noticed, I tend to speak slower and, you know, to kind of go down and down and down. And so the coffee kind of keeps me moving so that I can, I can speak. It is true. Like, <laughs> it actually is something that is necessary. Okay, so it, it's practical. There's a practical reason for it. The topic that I wanted to discuss today... It's fitting with Advent, I thought, I thought we'll, we'll skip a little bit of, of the education of children that we have been discussing, and we're going to talk a little bit about something that is more fitting with Advent, and that would be one of the virtues that is most notorious in our Blessed Mother, most prevalent, uh, most powerful, you could say, too, and that would be the virtue of humility. St. Bernard, there's a, you know, when we hear of our Blessed Mother, we always emphasize purity with, with good reason. Purity is one of her main qualities. And, uh, but I think something that often we don't hear about is her virtue of humility, which is actually, I would say, at least on par with her purity in regards to the importance. St. Bernard has a phrase about our Blessed Mother, and you know that St. Bernard loved our Blessed Mother like no one else. Like he... he he, among all the saints, he is known for having loved the Blessed Mother to an incredible degree. He wrote a lot about her. And he says a, a phrase that is very shocking at, at first, maybe if you hear it. He says, if our Blessed Mother had been the purest of all virgins, but she had been proud, God would have rejected her. God wouldn't have cared about all the purity if she had been proud. Um... And that gives us an idea of how important the virtue of humility is. Now, I want to give a little bit of a, an introduction here. These talks that I'm giving, um, you must be aware, I'm not aiming them at you only, at the mothers here of this confraternity or of the parish. And I say that because sometimes if I come down with examples or things like that, I don't want you to take it as, what does Father know about me? No. Uh, <laughs> A lot of it is just personal knowledge for myself, for what I've lived, uh, but also I want to say things as they are so that this remains to be seen by other people. 
And the reason why I mention that is because a lot of times as a priest, I don't know if every priest experiences this. I would think they do. Uh, as a priest, sometimes you hold back in saying, I'm not going to go that far, or I'm not going to say that from the pulpit, especially if I'm being live streamed, because I don't want people to misinterpret it or to think wrongly. So for example, today I'm going to talk about humility. And some of the things that I'll say, women out there who are not used to hearing these things might say, that's some macho stuff. He's from Mexico. Uh, <laughs> and, and so you might actually shrink from saying it because you don't want people to think that this is you know, something against feminism. And that's not the case at all. Uh, humility is like that. And the things that I'm going to say are just, that's how it is. And, and it has to be said like that so that it, have, it have, is, excuse me, if at some point, I need more coffee now. <laughs> if at some point someone becomes Catholic and they want to know what is a Catholic mother supposed to look like? What is a Catholic wife supposed to look like? They don't have to go like through the woods just trying to find out what did the priest mean? But they actually get it right there. That's what the priest meant. So this virtue of humility is very important, we said, to God. Why is it so important to God? St. Teresa of Avila has a very known phrase, a very well-known phrase. She says, humility is walking on truth. That's what it is. It's not, oh, you know, trying to put yourself down. It's not to, you know, wear rags around the street. No, humility is very simply to walk on truth. The spiritual truth, uh, the, the truth that our faith gives us as well. And if you think about this definition of St. Teresa, that explains why humility is so important to God, because St. John tells us, God is truth. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. So if humility is truth and God is truth, then pride is lie and is the opposite of God. Not only is it around God or is deviating us from God, pride is the opposite of God, the exact opposite, because God is truth. And so that's why for God, if you read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it's amazing how many times God hammers this point down. The glory is to be mine. The glory is to be mine. I am the Lord thy God. I am the one that I am. And in front of me, he says, the whole of the universe is like a speck of sand, like nothing. The whole point that God is making is, that is the truth. I am that I am. You are that are nothing or a little creature that I made. And so God, if we want to please God, if we want to honor God, we have to be humble. This is so important, so much so, that consider this. If you have the worst sinner in the world, the worst sinner in the world, but he's humble, he'll make it back. The worst sinner, the, imagine the worst person, a killer, whatever you want. If that person is humble, he'll make it back. He'll go to confession, he'll be able to be forgiven, he'll make it to heaven. That there is a good thief, the good thief. The only difference that there was between the good thief and the bad thief was that the good thief was humble. What is the first thing that they tell us in the Bible? He said, we deserve this. That's how he begins. We, because the other guy is saying, save yourself and save us. 
he's still proud. He's still wanting his own will to be done. And the good, we, the good thief says, we deserve this. He humbles himself. And from there, grace pours into his heart. The opposite, consider this. You can have the most virtuous person in the world. And you have seen this, perhaps. The most virtuous person in the world. A person that is pure, that is chaste, that goes to Mass every day, that prays the Rosary every day, that goes to receive communion, that does every all those things. But if that person is proud, I don't say that he is going to fall. He has fallen already. All of the stuff that he's doing is just, it's like pouring water into a broken cup. It's just all pouring down. So that's why humility is so important. And in Advent, uh, humility is brought, out, brought to us by the example of our Blessed Mother. Remember our Blessed Mother, we begin Advent by considering the incarnation of our Lord, which is an act of humility made by God. This is the amazing thing that God does acts of humility. Uh, you could say in a certain way. Theologically, maybe that's not entirely accurate, but you could understand it in a certain way. And it begins with our Blessed Mother making an act of humility. They say in some revelations that our Blessed Mother, and you can take this or not take it, but they say that our Blessed Mother was praying, and I don't know if you've heard this before, raise your hands if you have, uh, but that she was praying to be the, the handmaid of the mother of the Messiah. Have you heard that before? Okay. Um, she was praying for that. She wasn't praying to be the mother of the Messiah. She was praying to be the handmaid of the mother of the Messiah. And some say that this is why she made a vow of virginity, because from like to rule herself out. All the women in Israel, they wanted to be mothers, to be the mother of the Messiah. And she ruled herself out. She said, no, I'm not worthy of that. That's what they say in some revelations. And because of that humility, God chose us here. So we begin by that good example of our Blessed Mother. Let's go into some practical things. So far, any questions? No? Okay. There are, I could say, uh, I think we all try to be humble. I'm no example of that for sure. Uh, but, you know, we all try to be humble. We all try to do our best. And we will never succeed. The virtue of humility is much like the virtue of charity. I shouldn't say we'll never succeed. We'll never reach the point where we're humble enough. We can always grow in that virtue, which is a beautiful thing. You know, it's like, imagine that I could tell you. That's, we're going to go into fairy tales here. But imagine that I could tell you. Hey, if you take this medicine here, you're going to become more beautiful. And the more that you take it, you'll become more beautiful. And there's no stopping. Like, you can just take it and become more and more beautiful. And I'm glad that doesn't exist. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's exactly the case with some of the virtues. The virtue of charity, for example. That's what God's telling us. There's, there is this virtue here. You can practice it and grow in it. And the more beautiful, the more that you do it, the more beautiful spiritually you'll become. And there's no limit. You can be, your charity can grow and grow and grow, and you will never reach a limit. And the same goes to humility, because as I said in the sermon last Sunday, our Lord set the bar so low in humility, you could say, he went so low, that there's just no way we're going to reach him. We can always humble ourselves more. That being said, I want to speak about three kinds of false humility that there can be. 
the first one I'm gonna call it um, I don't want to call it showy so I'm call it I'll call it exaggerated I'm not sure if that's spelled correctly you let me know is it spelled correctly okay How dare you judge the priest? That's the lack of humility. <laughs> Just kidding. The other one is what I would call halfway. Ah. Halfway humility. And the third one is what I'll call depression humility. No, do correct me if something is, is misspelled, please. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna be like, oh, I don't want to say anything. Quack. <laughs> okay. Let me. You know, you've heard before about people that that uh, are hypocrites when it comes to humility. That's not what I'm talking about here, because that's that's granted that 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 doesn't count. What I'm talking about here is not hypocrisy. I'm talking about times where without knowing, without realizing, we deceive ourselves. Exaggerated humility, remember that every virtue, to explain this one, every virtue is in the middle, okay? Here's where the virtue is. Oh. On this extreme, you have pride. And on this other extreme, you have what I would call exaggerated humility, okay? And what does that mean then? That means when someone says things that are, that are not true in order to be humble. You know, that's, and you've, you've done it before perhaps, I've done it myself, uh, other people do it. It's something that sometimes we just can't help it. You know, when people tell you, your husband comes and says, oh honey, you look very pretty today. Oh, I looked like a cow. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be like, <laughs> I'm sure you don't say that, but, you know, <laughs> there you put him on the spot because now he can't say that you're pretty and he can say the other thing either. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to be quiet. But, you know, or when people say, for example, oh, you know, um, this, this craft that you've made is beautiful. Oh, it looks horrible. Oh, this, this food was very good. Oh, it tastes like nothing. Uh, things like that. I'll give you an example of this for and You know, for example, people can Come to me and say well father your sermon was really good and Sometimes I'll say oh no, it was terrible. Oh this and that and it's like well I don't know if it was good or not uh, But there's no reason for for me to say that it was terrible either because that I don't know either So where is humility as Saint Teresa said it's in truth Okay Oh, Father, the sermon was really good. Well, thank you. Thanks be to God. Uh, honey, you look very beautiful today. Well, I did this for you. Thank you. Uh, or, you know, oh, you play the piano very well. Thank you. Thanks be to God. That's it. You just say what you have. Before I go into how humility is supposed to be in there, I just want to mention three reasons why this happens sometimes. One is to have a false notion of humility. This is normal. A false notion 
Sometimes we read Lives of the Saints and we hear of people that are humble and we think that humility means that I have to debase myself exteriorly and, and with words and all those things. And I believe that that's, that's how it should be. And as I say, that's, that's a false notion. We will explain how it's supposed to be, but we, we will mention that. The other reason why this happens is actually sometimes pride. Because I want to appear humble. Does that make sense? So for example, this might not happen with you, but in, in religious atmospheres, for example, when I was a monk, that is actually a temptation where you're kind of like wanting to be the more humble one. And so it's almost like a competition. It would be funny because we would have, for example, uh, we have a project and there is five brothers and we're thinking, okay, we have to do this project. Who's gonna be in charge? Well, not me, not me, not me, not me. Why? Because I'm humble. So, <laughs> like, and then everybody is just standing in there and okay, who's gonna take care of it? And actually probably the most humble guy is the one that says, okay, I'll be in charge. <gasps> proud, we're all humble, you're the proud one. <laughs> so sometimes we can appear to be humble and we want to be humble in order to know that we're virtuous and in order to know that we're better and that could be pride. So that's when we go into that exaggerated humility. And the third one, and this is the one that, so these two, you may not ever experience them. This one, I think many will experience and, and I would even dare say most of us do. And this, uh, this doesn't work. It's a very humble marker. <laughs> okay. This one is pusillanim pusillanimity. How do you pronounce that? Who can tell me? You've never heard it? I've, I've seen it, but I've okay. never heard it. Um, this word comes from the Latin uh, pusillus anima, which means small soul. But here we're not talking about the smallness of St. Teresa of the Child Jesus. We're talking about small soul as in poor soul. Pusillanimity is a vice by which we are coward. We fear challenges and difficult things, and we don't want to undertake them. And a lot of times our humility comes from this, from pusillanimity. And I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say that the husband says, well, honey, I think you can uh, start a business. I think you can start doing this or that. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm really bad at these things. I'm really bad at that stuff. And in the back of that, what it is, is I'm really lazy. I don't want to do those things. I don't want to fail. I don't want to have a, a failure. That's why I don't want to do it. Or they say, well, you know, why don't you play uh, this instrument? Or why don't you play the organ? Or why don't you do this or that? Oh, no, no, because, you know, I, I, I might make mistakes and this and that. That's this. That's... Don't get me wrong. That's lawful, I mean, you can say that, you can do that. It's not a sin if you say, if you're afraid of something and you don't do it. But my point is, is not humility. Okay, because we will explain it in, uh, right now. Uh, when you have a talent, you use it. Uh, try to think of another example. In your duties as a wife or as a mother, you might say, well, I need to talk to my children, I need to train them in catechism or this or that. 
but oh, you know, I'm, I'm a bad speaker, I don't know how to talk to them, all those things. That might be true, but again, it's this. It's not humility, it's this over here. And that you might actually find it in yourselves. I find it in myself. Almost everybody does, I think. Uh, I can tell you how many times I've tried, uh, or myself, you know, people tell me like, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And it's like, <laughs> a big, the big words in here is, sometimes I don't want to be embarrassed. And that's, that's just, it's normal pride, it's human pride, but it's pride, it's not humility. So there, there are some people might say, well, I'm very humble because I don't want to do anything. And I always say that I'm not worthy of this. And I always say that I'm not good enough. And it's like, no, 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 that's not humility. That's just being coward or lazy or whatever else, but not humility. Think, for example, and I'm going to throw out a story here, but think, for example, of the bishop, of Bishop Pivarunas. He was, what, 30-something years old when he was made a bishop? And I just think of that moment where they say, we choose you, where there is all these older priests. And yes, he could have been, you know, and I, he might have said it, I don't know. But, you know, one might think, oh, he's very humble because he's rejecting it. I don't know. I think that it's more humble to take it for he, in his case, in his scenario, right? So that's, that's the example of what I'm talking about. How should humility be then to, to not do this over here? <clears throat> The first thing is, humility is not at odds with acknowledging the talents that God has given you. And so, for example, if someone tells me, Father Cepeda, well, well, let's not talk about me. <laughs> Cut that scene. <laughs> but if someone tells you, well, you know, you play the piano very well. Would you play for us? Sure, sure thing. And, and you know, you play it. And you acknowledge the talent that God has, has given you. Why? Because what you do to not do this, the true humility, what it does, I don't know if these things are going to make sense at all, but um, first, you serve with your talents. That's why you acknowledge them. It's not for your glory. You say you have them because you're going to serve with them. Okay? So, for example, if I'm a priest and I'm a good speaker, well, I'm going to acknowledge it and I'll just say, well, yes, I am. I don't know if I am, but you know, if that's the case. And then what am I going to do? Well, I'll have to serve. And if people ask me, can you do this? Can you do that? You know, yeah, because I know I can do it. Maybe others can't. If I know I'm a good organizer, well, I'll take charge of projects. And if people say, well, who's going to take charge of this? I'm going to offer volunteer. But I, can t I can do it if you, they want me to. That's not, not being humble. That's just you acknowledging what you have and putting it in the service of others. And this is where humility is practiced in your service of others. The other thing that you do when you acknowledge what you have is you bounce it to God. What does that mean? It's what our Blessed Mother did in the Magnificat. We were just talking about how humble our Blessed Mother was. Saint Elizabeth praises her. She says, where, where does it come that the mother of, of my Lord comes to me? And our Blessed Mother doesn't go, oh, I am nothing. Oh, well, you know, don't, don't, don't say that about me. Uh, the truth is, you know, I'm, I'm a nobody. Uh, no, what does she say? She, she acknowledges it and she says, 
she takes that, that praise and she bounces to God. And that's our Blessed Mother. Our Blessed Mother is like a pinball, almost, you could say, with all due respect. But have you ever seen those? <laughs> this is where I get caught again. Um, have you seen those pinball machines? There is like this part that is like, has like a spring. And every time that the ball comes, it's like, it just goes always back. And that's our Blessed Mother. Everything that comes to her, boom, bounces up to God. Everything. Absolutely everything. Every single Hail Mary that you do, it goes up to God. That's why she likes it. And that's why we praise her as well. But so this is how you practice humility. Look at the Magnificat. You know, I know it in Latin. I, I know it in English too, but right now I won't be able to say it. Uh, but everything is about praising God because he looked upon the, the handmaid, because he looked upon his servants, because I was privileged. He looked upon my nothingness, you could say. And he fulfilled his promises in me, with me. And I praise him because of that. So it's like she's almost disappearing there. And, and the only reason why she exists is just to be a praise of God. And so if you're humble and someone tells you that you do good things or you acknowledge that you're good at this or that, your thought is always bouncing it up to God. It's all, it comes from God. Any questions so far? No? I didn't, uh, no, we started at 10.45, so we're good. I'll give a caveat here. Uh, let someone else tell you about your talents. What I mean to say is, don't believe that you have the talents just because you think that you have the talents. <laughs> right? I mean, because, you know, one might say, well, I'm a, I'm a beautiful singer and I'm going to be very humble. And I'm going to acknowledge this. And then one goes up there and, and everybody else becomes sanctified because of our singing. Uh, and, and no, so you do want to be careful and, and say, okay, is it true? I mean, do I really have these talents? Uh, and if someone else, you know, says it and they say it and people actually kind of, you know, make it known to you without you asking, well, then, okay, you can say, well, yeah, maybe I do. And even then... You want to kind of keep it low, but but uh, but don't 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 assume that you have them just because you think that you do. That makes sense. Okay. <clears throat> I will I will go more into this because besides all these parts, there is the part where we put ourselves under. But I'm not going there yet. We're going to go there in the future. Right now, I'm just speaking about the false kinds of humility and why we shouldn't do it and how we shouldn't do it. Okay. The next one. I'm gonna. Can I erase? Okay, have we humility? What do I mean by that? We have been talking, when we were talking about the kids, we were talking about how there is your intellect and your will, right? And so a lot of us think that we're humble, and I can say this for myself, you know, I, I experienced this myself, because you know that you're a sinner in your mind. I mean, if someone asks you, you'll say, yeah, for sure I'm a sinner, for sure I'm a, the worst person in the world. And yeah, if someone asks me, you know, do I compare myself to others? I would definitely say, not at all, I'm a huge sinner. So your mind is there. You have intellectual, but then there is volition or will. This is why I call it halfway humility. 
I know that I'm a sinner and I'm, I'm convinced of that, so I think I'm humble, but the problem is a lot of times this doesn't go to here. I'm not, I'm not willing to be treated as like, as such. I'm not willing to suffer the consequences. I know that that's what I am, but I don't want to suffer the consequences of who I am. And so my humility stays just halfway there. You're in your mind, you might be as humble as you wish, but in your will and in your actions, there is a lot of pride in, in, in our life sometimes. And to give you an example, an analogy, um, <clears throat> this is as if I was a criminal and I was a murderer or a thief, and, and I know I'm a criminal, but then when they say, do you want to go to jail? Well, I say, well, no. No, I don't want to be, be in jail or I don't want to be punished. Then there's no justice in me because my justice is just here but not here. And there's no humility either because it's only here and not here. I was just hearing a podcast about a, a Jordan Peterson was interviewing this guy who was a mobster. He was a mafia master. And he, he lived until 100, 100 years old and he was in prison for like 50 years. And his son comes to him like he's 90 years old. And his son comes to him and says, Dad, you destroyed our family. I mean, you know, my brother is in drugs. My sister is doing this and that. I lost everything. You know, my mother lost everything. You destroyed our family. So, I mean, I love you and I want to help you, but you have to acknowledge that because his son had become Christian. He was Catholic, I think. And the dad says, well, it wasn't my fault. You know, they set me up to put me in jail. He says, yeah, but that wasn't because you were a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> you know, I mean, you were committing crime. And so this happens. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's not my fault. So he would not acknowledge that. He knew he was a criminal. He knew that he did all these crimes, but he would never acknowledge that guilt on his, on his will. This happens, and you'll see it, because, for example, uh, as I say, you might think all those things, but when someone steps on your toe a little bit, just a little bit, by accident, bam, one bounces back, right? I'm very humble, I'm a big sinner. Uh, uh, and if someone came to see to you and said, I'll be quiet for a moment. <laughs> you know? And don't be offended, it's natural that we have those reactions because we're born proud. But again, this helps us to know, okay, I'm actually not as humble as I thought I was because when it comes to actions, I really don't put up the effort. Now, here don't be fooled because a lot of times we do humble actions out of what I call good manners, humility. And it's kind of on this, on this same thing, right? Where, you know, I remember this also from being a religious where, you know, if someone praises you, you put yourself down. If you're in a conversation and you are talking too much and you realize you're the center of attention and you pass it to someone else, those are good, humble actions, but a lot of times we do them out of good manners. Not so much because we're putting ourselves down. It's just because I know that that's the good thing to do. So we need to bring humility to our will. We will cover that in the next part of the talk. But before we go the, here, I just want to talk about this last one, depression. Any questions right now? No? Question. Okay. Is that 
being humble or is that just what is that? I, I see like what is that? <laughs> I hope that's not the camera. Uh, <clears throat> see that there you, you said that in the words and I, I'm I'm kind of you know putting it out. You didn't say you are right. Yeah, because you don't believe that they're right. Mm -hmm. You don't want to fight, like you don't want it to escalate. Mm -hmm. And you think that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Like but you don't want that, like you don't want to make them more mad, but just yeah. like say it in a way that they think that they're kind of right, but you don't want to lie at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, each situation has all these different aspects and, and shades around it. But the truth is, there's there always pride if you notice, because a lot of times we say that, like, okay, I'm not going to argue, you can be right. But, you know, inside, you're already making the judgment. You are unreasonable, you know, you're this and this and that. And I'm better than you, so I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> so not, I'm not saying that that's the case in that particular yeah, instance, yeah. perhaps. But a lot of times that's there. So, so what you know. What would be the humble way to approach that? Because like, you really think that they're wrong. Like, if they're really wrong, and you know that they're wrong, you don't want to lie and say that they're right. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? What I would say is, you know, I think the humble right way to go would be to say, right now, I just don't see how you're right. I'm not convinced about it, but I don't think it's wise for me to argue. So maybe we can just put it off and, and talk about it later. And I mean, let's say, you know, depending on who it is, if it's a peer, if it's a peer, then you just say, well, I don't see how you're right. Maybe we can talk about it later. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but you know, that's, that's what I see right now. If it's a superior, yeah. then one would say, well, I'll, if it's something, if it's something that is not sinful, then I would say, well, I'll, I'll do what you're saying. I, I don't think it's right, but I, I'll do what you're saying because you're responsible. And, and that applies even to priests, you know, where the priest can say to the bishop, I mean, if, if it's something again, that is not sinful, I can say, well, I disagree with that, but I'll, I'll obey and I'll do it. I mean, no problem because I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. And that would be the humble way to go about it. Yeah, the truth, okay. just the truth. But, but the important thing is, you're abiding by the truth without passing judgment. That's the on the person. Like about yeah, on the person. Being angry at them on the yeah, because you can say, well, this is wrong or this is right according to me right now, but I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to think that you're this or this or that. I'm just going to abstain from that, as we covered in another class. So we'll, we'll go more into that, but depression, depressive humility. <clears throat> uh, this also, most of these things I can speak for myself, so I think that's why... Is useful. Uh, I, I'm melancholic, so I'm, I'm tending more to this side most of the times, believe it or not. And uh, not, not so much now, but before when I was younger. And a lot of times this might fool you also into thinking that you're humble. Because again, it's pusillanimity. And you see this because the humility that comes with this, there is sadness, there is despair sometimes. There is, how do we say? Pusillanimity. Pusillanimity. <laughs> and there is also some pride in not wanting, in not wanting this. It's not something you're choosing. It's something that you're kind of put into. So this is the kind of, of uh, false humility that a person would have where um, you know, they say, well, do you want to come with us to a party or a dinner or whatever? And you feel like, 
oh, you know, no, I mean, I don't think people really like me and this and that. And yeah, that's, that's not being humble. That's just you, you know, being depressive or being sad or despaired. Or, you know, I can give you many examples, but that, that kind of stuff. Humility, quite on the contrary, is actually very, very cheerful. And actually, I would say that humility is the key to happiness, as we will cover. A truly hum humble person, you see them with a smile on their face. And you can step on their toes as much as you want, and they'll be all the happier for it. And so that's why most of the saints were very happy. Before I go into this, I want to give you an example of this, one of these kinds of false humility. This is, for, this is from St. Teresa of Avila. She mentions in, in the book of her life, I believe, uh, there was this lady that was very pious. The example I was giving you. Very pious, very devout. She would go to Mass. She would go to confession. She would pray mental prayers. She would dress in, you know, rags to be poor and humble. And all of these things. But she, she lived according to her own will. So she wasn't, her humility was just up here in the mind. When she was dying, this lady, she wanted to have mass said in her house, and she wanted to receive communion every day. Now remember, at the time of St. Teresa, this wasn't a thing. The time of St. Teresa, you would only receive communion every feast day, and, and that was it. Well, this lady wanted to receive communion every day, but because she knew that no priest would give her that, what she would have is she would call different priests without telling them that other priests had come before. And so this priest would come every day to have, to have mass and communion for her. And she was just very happy. One of the priests finds out about this. And when he comes, he has the mass for her. And he says, I don't think it's right that she's receiving communion every day. So she doesn't give her communion. And when the lady sees that she didn't get communion, she gets she just starts yelling at the priest and very, very angry. All the virtue goes out the window. And she passed away that day. She passed away a few hours after that. So it's kind of like really scary when you hear it. Um, because again, this is a person that had pride lurking under and she would let it be. And it's like a, almost a punishment, you could think. And why did that happen? Because she was being proud. And then she didn't have that grace. Hopefully she converted. I mean, hopefully she repented before. But you can see that the horrible circumstances that happened. And that's usually how it goes. You know, that's why they say, uh, I can't remember in English how you say it, but pride precedes the fall. You know, when a person is proud, it's like, you're going to fall. Okay, so we've covered all these ugly things and, and, you know, what we don't want to do. Before I go into what humility should be, I just want to say this, don't feel bad if you notice these things in you, because we all have them. I think the most humble person in the world would have them. It's, it's in our nature. Think of this. <clears throat> the sin that Adam and Eve committed was pride. That was a sin, pride and disobedience. What that means is that all of us carry in our genes to be proud. Like it's embedded in our nature. That'll never go away. Until the day we die, we're going to have that proud pride in our hearts. Uh, so that's why we always have to fight against it. But it's something that we're born, it's in our blood to have it. And that's why, we, that's why we, have to, we have to struggle against it continuously. Okay, can I erase this? Yes. Any questions so far? Okay. Father, what would be, if 
probably a whole other talk, but when someone is struggling with that kind of depression where, oh, you know, I'm no good, nobody likes me, da 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 what is the best way to help someone with that? Because you say the nice things and then they don't, they're just like, no, no, really. I'm... Mm -hmm. That is a whole other talk and we will have one on depression, but uh, here's the thing that I think is very important. The first one is, uh, there's three, uh, just really quickly, as fast as I can. There's three aspects that you have to cover in depression. And this is often, I think we've covered this before. Uh, the spiritual, the mental, and the physical. And a lot of times the problem is that if you go to the priest, he will just cover the spiritual and forget about the other two. If you go to a counselor, he'll cover the mental and forget about the other two. And you have to cover the three of them. So for example, a person that is struggling with depression, the physical, they have to eat well, they have to do exercise, they have to go out to the sun, among other things, laugh. The mental, they actually have to start exercising mind control in the sense of stopping their thoughts. And I went through this as well, I know it because I, I actually had to go through that. And that means that you have to deal, I always tell people, you have to deal with the thoughts of depression as if they were a temptation of impurity. I don't mean to say that they are a sin necessarily. But what I mean to say is, in the same way that if, if a thought comes of that, you immediately reject it and say, not even going to touch it. That's how you have to deal with the thoughts of depression. Say, when it, as soon as the thought comes, it's like, boop, not going to touch it. What are you going to do? I'm going to go play ping pong. I'm going to go, you know, make castles with rocks. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to distract myself entirely. And the other one is the spiritual, where you acknowledge sadness is a temptation. People think that sadness is just emotional. No, sadness is actually a temptation from the devil too. It was considered as one of the capital sins in the first times of the church. It was the eighth capital sin. And so once you know that, a lot of times those thoughts that you have of depression are temptations from the devil. This is how you know. Try to focus intensely in praying a Hail Mary. You get distracted. It's just one Hail Mary. Those thoughts of depression are like... And you can go walking and eating and tack, 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 tack. and you can go to the bathroom and tack, tack, tack. and everywhere you go you are tack, tack, tack. and you see that it's an external attack because it's someone else telling you words it's, as you said you're worthless you're nothing uh, you know you're always making mistakes you'll never get better it's even saying you <laughs> you know it's not me it's you 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 and so it's an actual external attack a lot of times so those three things have to be addressed. And I'll tell you just a story very quick. I, I was dealing with a person that had depression. This was a relative of mine. And we, would all, we, we were just used, whenever this person got depressed, to say, okay, she's going to be there for a while, so just go do your own thing and let her be. Because, yeah, I mean, there's no way to get her out. That's not the right way to go, though, because you have to help them up. And here's the thing. They don't have the power of will. A lot of times people, if, if, they are, if, if any of you, for example, is choleric, you go like, come on, get up, you can do it. <laughs> ah, this is like, and the other person is like, oh, no. <laughs> and, and you have to realize they don't have the emotional muscle that you have. So what you have to do is actually go and get them and say, come on, you can get up. No, 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 you, you, you can get up. No, 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 no. You, 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 I sat down one, one time with this person that I'm talking about. I was like, you know what? We have to get her up. And I went and sat down with her for one hour. I think it was one hour and a half. Just doing that, I was saying, 
All I want you is to sit up and smile. I can't do it. Yeah, you can do it. She's, for one hour, I was doing that. No, no, no. Until she got tired of it, she was like, okay, I gotta, you got to get out of here. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I set her up and she smiled. And it was like, wait, so I was able to do that. I was able to break that. Okay, maybe I can do the next step. And so that's, you actually have to sit down and spend time with them and say, okay, you have to sit down with them and give them that therapy of saying, control yourself, control your mind, control your, your heart, and go against it, and don't just fall. But that's a whole other topic. But I hope that helps. Okay. <clears throat> so let's go to true humility. And we have to speak of these two aspects, uh, intellectual, as we said, and volitional, or the will. In the intellectual aspect, we already said you have to acknowledge your you have to acknowledge that you have your talents. But when you do that, you know that everything good that you have comes from God, and nothing comes from you. That's humility. It's like okay, yes, I might be a very good piano player. That's not mine. I didn't get that. God gave me that. Uh, even if it's something that you studied for, even God gave you that, you didn't get it. So everything that you have, everything good that you have, it all comes from God. And without God, you would have nothing. Our Lord says this in the gospel. He says, without me, you can do nothing. And so <clears throat> here, I don't know if you raise your hands, if you know the story of St. Albert the Great. Okay. St. Albert the Great was, uh, he wasn't a very good preacher. And they say that he prayed to our Blessed Mother and our Blessed Mother appeared to him. And she said to him, uh, you will be a very good preacher. I will give you the brains that you need but I'll take it away from you at one point so that you don't grow in pride. And he said, well, yeah, okay. So he became a very good preacher. We call him St. Albert the Great. And they say that at one point, and I'm not sure if this is true or not. I'm not I don't know the sources of it, but I've heard it. Um, they say that at one point he was preaching in the pulpit in the middle of the sermon and he just boop, blanked out of his brain, which was a bit horrible. <laughs> and he was just like, okay, uh, I can't continue my sermon. And that's where he said the story. He said, this is what happened. And she just took it away from me now. So I, I have to let it go now and not preach anymore right now. And so we should always consider ourselves like that. Like, okay, I'm a good cook. At any time, God could say, you're not a good cook anymore. And it's gone. I don't have it anymore. Or, you know, that goes for anything that you want. So always consider every good that you have from God. As we said, let's, let's write it down here. All good comes from God. The other thing is serve others. And in this we will dwell a little bit later on, but this, this is the key of humility. You know that you, you'll never know that you're humble. If you ever say, I think I'm humble enough. <laughs> <laughs> There's a problem there. I don't think you're like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty humble. Uh, but you know that you're making progress. You know that at least you're not in the dumps in humility when you're serving others and you're willing to serve others. And especially to serve others that you don't like. Because here's the thing. You, you go serve your husband or someone, you know, your friend or your relative. 
But think of that person, perhaps, that comes and says, hey, can you pick up the trash over there? And she's not your friend or your relative or your nothing. She's just like a friend that you invited in your house. Oh, uh, that, that over there, you know, you should pick that up, that your house looks ugly. <laughs> You'll know that you're humble. When that happens, and there's like the snake comes, whoosh, and you go, quiet. <laughs> and you just, <laughs> and you just say from your heart, from your heart, you know what, you're right, yeah, thank you, I'll pick that up. From your heart, and you say, thank you. Not like you're actually smothering, the, like the snake is gone, like you're saying, yeah, from your heart, serving others. And Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The beautiful thing about humility when you think about it in this way is that everything leaves you to God. If there's something good going on in your life, all oh, this comes from God. Thank you, my Lord. If there's something bad that's happening to you, oh, I deserve this. Thank you, my Lord. If someone says, oh, you know, you're very beautiful, you're very smart, you're this, well, thanks be to God, you know, this is all good things that come from God. If someone tells you, well, you're a horrible person, you're always gossiping, you know, you're, you're like, you're always arguing with me and you're saying all these bad words, well, I deserve this. Thank you, God. So it's always like bouncing up to God and it always helps everything. Every, as I would say, that's why the humility is the key to happiness because nothing can happen to you when you're humble. Nothing can happen to you that is against you. Everything works for you. Everything. Even the worst of insults, even the worst of people that treat you like trash. That works for you if you're humble. And so that's why you're happy. Now, in the intellectual part, uh, I'll go the other way actually. Someone was telling me, one of the guys was telling me, that is like, yeah, you're doing the talk and everything, and then we don't see the whiteboard on the camera, so it's like, I don't know what you're saying. So that, that happens to whoever's watching the video right now. Um, here is the main part of the intellectual part that I haven't covered. Regard yourself as lower than everyone else. If you think about it honestly, you never think about it, but think about it honestly. Like in your mind, you might say, well, I'm bad, I'm a sinner, I'm this and that. But you know, when I think of this person, it's like, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, we don't say it, we never think of it, but the truth is we regard ourselves with some stature, you could say. And if you really want to succeed in humility and you want to get it as well as you can, you want to do this sincerely from your heart. Really look at the people around you here and say, from all your depths, say, I am the worst person in this room. And in my family, I am the worst person in this family. And in the church, I am the worst person in this parish. I could hear, you know, you know something like what you were telling me just now. How can I say that without lying? And this is a nice story of St. Francis. St. Francis, this is one of my favorite stories. St. Francis was walking. When you read 
the story of St. Francis as it was, as it was written at the beginning, is really interesting because it's a lot more sincere, a lot more blunt. And they say that one time St. Francis was walking with one of his brothers in religion, and the brother was curious about it, and he actually asked him, like, Father, how do you see yourself, honestly? How do you see yourself? And St. Francis, remember, he had the stigmata. I think he didn't have them yet, but, you know, he was a very holy man. And he said, I'm the worst sinner in the world. And that's, that's the, the, the answer that everyone would give, right? But the brother was very honest, and he said, no, 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 I mean, how can you say that? That's, how can you say that without lying? Because you know full well that you're doing penance, that you're praying, that there is murderers out there, that there is, you know, criminals all over the place. How can you, in all truth, say that you think that you're the worst sinner in the world? And St. Francis said, well, here's the thing. If they had received the same graces that I have received, they would be better than I am, quite probably. So I can't judge them because maybe they don't have the same graces that I do. And that's how you put yourself lower than everyone else. You might see a, a lady, for example, or a person that is gossiping, and you might say, well, I don't gossip. That doesn't make you any better, though, because maybe she didn't receive the same graces that you have. Maybe you have received many graces. Maybe you should be better. Or you might see a person that, that says, you know, well, this person is living in sin. They didn't get married and all that stuff. Uh, well, same thing. You know, were they raised like you were? Do they receive the sacraments that you receive? And even if they do, maybe they didn't receive the same graces. So all the more reason for you to be more humble and say, I could be there. You know, maybe it's just God's mercy that has spared me from that. St. Bernard has a really good quote about this. I think it's St. Bernard. It's either St. Bernard or St. Augustine. <clears throat> he says, if you put yourself under everyone and you make a mistake in doing so, nothing wrong happens. If you put yourself above just one person by mistake, there is a great evil there. You committed a sin. You, you see what I mean? Just one person that I put myself over. If I made a mistake, that's wrong. And you're going to get it from God. God's going to tell you what he says in the gospel. Go to the last place. I give the place to this one over here. But if I put myself under everyone, there's no risk there. What this means, and this is where we start getting into the, you know, the practical stuff. What this means is that this rules out my right to criticize. I just can't. I just can't criticize anybody. Not only not in my words, in my mind. And that's when you really become happy. When in your mind you don't judge anyone. And you come to form a habit, it takes a while, it takes months, years, perhaps. But you just form the habit of, oh, this person is like, oh, the snake, quiet, right? No, not even gonna judge. Here, No, you're fine. When you do this, when you get here, you get rid of every negativity in your life. And that is just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Because there is no conflict that you can go through that is going to make bitter your day. All negativity in your life is gone. Even with people that you have to deal with. Let's say that 
I'm going to put an example. Let's say that you're with your husband and your husband, before he goes, goes like, oh, this and that, you know, you, you, you have to, the house is a mess right now and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And for a normal person, you know, that would be like, oh, and then bam, he slams the door and he goes into the car and you're like. <laughs> <laughs> and there you are in between the four walls, just burning inside and like an oven, it's just getting hotter and hotter. And the whole of the day got wrecked for you and you're going to be bitter the whole day and you'll be like cleaning up. <laughs> you can say that. And it's like. You know, he never washes the dishes. And it's like, the kids didn't do their beds again. And I told them. And the whole day got wrecked. But if you're humble, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And you're going to be like, he's doing something wrong. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about what he's doing wrong. What he said, is it true or not? Well, this part is true. This part is not. Okay, the part that is not, I don't worry about. The part that is true, I have to do it then. And, but the... <laughs> not going to think about it, the rest of my day goes well, not going to criticize, because let's say that what he said wasn't true, but I, I know I'm a big sinner, I know that I deserve a lot of purgatory, maybe I can take that as a time of purgatory, just Lord take it as a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what happens, the rest of your day is beautiful, nothing bad happened to you. It happened in a second, you dealt with it in that second, and then it's gone. Because you're used to not criticizing and you're used to not thinking negatively of others. So that's, this is why I say true humility is really the key to happiness, it really is. Now, <clears throat> I want to make a little caveat here, a little note. Does that mean, what about my children? What about things that are my duty? Well, this doesn't enter into this category over here. There are things that are your duty. Or you have to pass judgment. And in those cases, you do it because it's your duty. It's something that, that God calls you to do. But then after it's your duty, after you're done, then you, you, you let it go. You pass over it. So, for example, if my child is doing something wrong, yes, I'm going to criticize him. And I'm going to think about what he's doing wrong. And I'm going to tell him. But then again, this is not going to be a personal thing. I'm gonna, this is wrong, I said it, I deal with it, I'm done with it. Now I can move to the next thing. That's how I do it. And that's how, for example, priests deal with the faithful and the bishop deals with the priests and, and everybody has to do it. It's your duty, you say it, but then after that, you're done. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> this is where you see the words of our Lord where he says, be prudent as serpents, but innocent as doves, right? Innocent as doves in that you're not going to judge, but prudent as serpents in that you do need to discern and make decisions, and you make them, and that's it. Okay, uh, any questions so far? This is the intellectual part. Let's go to the, the will part. Here, the first thing is, be okay with the consequences of you being a sinner. Now here, here is where we go into the part that the world is not going to understand. If this video is seen by people in YouTube that are not Catholic, or even Catholics that are not aware of these things, they're not going to understand it, but it has to be said as it is. I don't know about you, I can say for myself, 
that I'm a sinner, one sin that I've committed. It's enough for everybody in the world to treat me the worst possible way. That's the truth. Because I sinned against God. I offended God, who is almighty, who is all beauty, who is all truth, who is all goodness. That means that if everybody in the world, if all of you came up to here right now and spit in my face and you said, Father, you're horrible. And then you went out and you said, Father, it's what the perfect joy of St. Francis. If you throw me out into the, the street and you say, we're not going to feed you anymore, you, you filthy trash. And then, you know, you put me out into the dump and whatever. That's all good. That's all fair and just. If I don't get that, it's just out of goodness and mercy of God. But that's what I deserve. And what that means is, if I really want to be humble, then that means I can take anything. And it's not bad. This is entirely anti, no offense, but the truth is, it's anti-American. You know, because it's very common to Americans. And I don't know if it's so exclusive to Americans, but I can say at least that I see that. To all human race, really, because who doesn't do it? But, you know, the, it's the spirit of the revolution, right? It's like they're stepping on you. It's like, don't throw it on me. You know, no, why, why am you know, um, you know, clean up the dishes. You cleaned up the dishes. You know, don't tell me what to do. That's, that's like our motto. Don't tell me what to do. Um, it's very, very common, right? Or, you know, it's... Um, when we receive an insult, when we're arguing with our husband, let's say that, that one is arguing with the husband and the husband said this and that, but snapping, right? It's, it's like you're the fastest gun in the West in the middle of the room. <laughs> and you have a bunch of bullets from years before too, where it's like, you know, two years ago, three years ago, and <laughs> sometimes you just pull out the machine gun. Uh, and the thing is, no, how about be quiet? What if... Picture this, picture that your husband were to say to you, be quiet. <laughs> Just now from me saying it, I'm sure that you felt like the spine going like this. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that you'll know that you're succeeding if something like that happens and you go, I deserve it. Maybe not from him, I deserve it from God. I'll take it. Or if your mother-in-law or brother or father-in-law comes and says, oh, this tastes like, you know, Walmart food. <laughs> and you say, well, I'm... <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you take that and, 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 and you say to yourself, well, uh, I'm sorry that it didn't come out as, as well as I thought, uh, but I, I deserve that. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't taste as good as it was. And you just take it and you're, here's the thing, is getting used to being stepped on. And this is the part where I'm saying, you know, people are going to say that he's a macho. But no, this is not exclusive of women. This goes to every one of us. If I want, if I, Father Cepeda, if I want to be humble, I have to get used to being stepped on, to being insulted, to being treated like trash and be happy about it. And I tell you, I have, I, I want to say this as my credentials here because I don't want people to say, oh, he's a macho and he's saying he wants women to do this. No, I've done that too. And, and it's good. It's something that gives you happiness. When I was a lay brother in the monastery, um, 
I'll go into that later. But he's just saying that like saying, I have no rights. Not because of weakness, not because uh, I don't have any dignity. No, I do have dignity. I have no rights because I want to give that to God. And there might be a time where you say, well, why should I put up with this? And then I'll tell you what I told one person once. It's not like they're nailing your hands to the cross. I told you this in another talk. It's not like they're putting a crown of thorns on your head. So if your husband says, honey, the bathroom is a mess. Clean it up. Well, is he putting a crown of thorns on your head? I mean, whenever you think that you're humbling yourself too much. Let's see. In doing our duty of passing judgment for our children, is there like a, a humble way to do it? No, actually, well, when it comes, I mean, there is, of course. It's just when you're doing it, you're being humble. But uh, with your children, you don't have to show humility necessarily in the sense of, you know, putting yourself under them or anything like quite the contrary. With your children, you are the authority. So with your children, you want to make them be humble towards you. Yeah. And that's very important, actually. That is. Okay. Um, we'll talk about it in, at the end, just so we can finish before the camera dies here. Uh, where was I? Yes. So to finish with this, uh, that, is, that is true humility, when you really are willing to be stepped on. Uh, I was going to say, if you ever think that I'm being too humble or that I'm putting up with too much, just picture, I, I told you this in another talk, picture our Lord with the crown of thorns, with the blood flowing all through his face, mud in his face, probably dust, pebbles, who knows what they were throwing at him, spittles, they were, they were spitting at him. And they come and say with the reed, whack, on his face. And, and he's, what did he do? I mean, he was sitting there. And I, I always picture our Lord being hit and then getting back up. Like the, the other cheek, right? And so whenever you think you're being too humble, just picture yourself standing next to our Lord and, uh, yeah, I think I can do more, right? So, and that is entirely Christian, that is entirely Catholic, that, that the world is not going to understand that because the world doesn't follow Christ. For us, that is our case. Now, as I say this, the same thing goes to the men, and I will say the same things to the men, because we do have to be humble ourselves also. But, you know, each one has to do it on their side. Okay. The other part in regards to the volition is to be of service, right? What I mentioned, be of service, serve. And here we go back to our Blessed Mother, the words that she said to the angel, when the angel was announcing it to her, she said, domini, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. And that should be our motto as Christian mothers, as Christian women. Uh, our motto should say, and this is a good ejaculatory prayer to say, domini. You know, something bad happens, domini. Uh, someone complains about the bathroom, domini. And this is where you have that spirit of, of servitude and of being a slave for the love of Christ. And this is, again, people might say he's much or whatever. No, that applies to everyone. It's the spirit of being a slave of God. You're not doing it out of uh, baseness. You're not doing it out of cowardice. You're not doing it just because you want to get out of trouble. You're doing it because you choose to be. Uh, 
You want to be like our Lord. Now I'll give you an example of this, how this applies. There's a difference for, and I, this is where I was going to say, when I was a lay brother in the monastery, I really enjoyed that part of being able to say, I'm here to serve the others. That is beautiful because then I don't need anything. I don't require anything. Nothing's going to make me unhappy. You know, it's like I'm here to serve. And so there's a big difference when, for example, you go and clean the bathroom and you're like, <laughs> that's it. And you say to yourself, I'm going to clean this bathroom as if I was cleaning for our Lord, as if this was for our Lord, as if this was my act of slavery towards our Lord, where I want to be my, my his servant. And I'm going to kneel down and I would kiss the floor if it wasn't so dirty, but I won't. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm going to kneel down and I'm going to wash it and clean it carefully and lovingly. And it doesn't matter if it's filthy. That's good for me because it's humbling. Uh, and here I am. And the smell is right on my face. I don't care. Just that little act there that was a huge act of humility. Or, for example, my husband is going to sit down for dinner. And this is outrageous. People don't hear about this anymore. But we've talked about it before. You know what? You stay there sitting and I'm going to serve you like a waitress. What? Am I going to do that? Yeah, our Blessed Mother did that. Is it wrong? No, there's nothing wrong with it. You know what? I'm being of service. I'm being humble. And as disgusting as it might sound to our nature, because we're like, oh, I don't want to do that. It's very, very beautiful. And that is, yeah. So let's say, like, let's say you're really prideful and you don't do any of those things. And you want to start doing some of those things. This is where you go, let's say that I know a friend that is, you know, very... <laughs> anyway, um, but let's say you start by just because you don't want to sin, like, 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 and then you don't want to make your husband mad, or you want to make your husband happy, you mm -hmm. know, and then slowly you're like almost to the point where you're offering up to be like God, I mean, I don't know, or how does, is that how basically it works? Or? Yeah, th th there are degrees, for sure, and I was going to say that actually, you know, before I finish, I'll say that, but this is all, I'm not saying that you have to do it. So I'm not saying that you have to kneel down and clean the bathroom like that. I'm not saying that you have to wait on your husband. What I'm saying is, that is, that is perfection of humility when you actually reach that point where you're willing to serve your husband and your not only your husband, but your children and your mother-in-law and your daughter. And then when they say, honey, sit down, I want you to sit down and you sit down. But, uh, but you know what I mean? This is what I'm showing you to you right now is like the degrees where we want to go. And I, I'll tell you this, as I say them, you might say, I don't want to go there. <laughs> you know? I, th I think I'm good where I'm at. What I'm saying is, this is how you grow in humility, and growing in humility is going to make you happier. And not only that, when you grow in humility, the love of God is just going to come into your soul. And notice the sound effect, it's really cool. <laughs> humility is like a magnet to the love of God. If you humble yourself, I assure you, I would swear it if, it, if I could, I don't know if I can, that the love of God is just going to boom, come in there. Yes. You're fine, you're fine. Okay, so you're serving everyone. Like as the mom, like I usually serve my husband and then the kids. Okay? Mm -hmm. What if, let's say, your husband doesn't like what you make for dinner, but then you still need, like, you need to feed your kids, 
Mm-hmm. What do you like? I'm just wondering, like in the order of everything, what do you do? Like, so do you quickly feed them and then do something else for him, or what do you like to be humble and to keep your patience, like just knowing how to do it all? There, there's always going to be situations like that where you're kind of like, oh, what do I do here? Yeah. And I mean, you just do your best. That's all you do. You just do your best. The important thing is not exter- exteriorly how you're doing it. The important thing is what you're allowing in your feelings, in your heart. So you might make a mistake and maybe I did, Maybe next time I should feed him first or the children, whatever it might be. But the point is, in my heart, inside, in myself, I should not be, you know, like bouncing back against it. Uh, or at least that is, is perfectly human. It's perfectly human to have those things. But what I'm saying is, if we want to practice the virtue of humility and we want to excel in that, that's what we're aiming for, to get to the point where where I just take it and say, okay, I'm going to take it and, and use it and so for my good. The is doing it because they love God. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you love them. And that's where I'm saying nothing can happen. Even if you make a mistake, nothing can happen that, that can harm you spiritually because everything is going to be for, your, for yourself. Even if you made a mistake in how you did it, even if you made it wrong, but you tried to do your best spiritually, you're fine. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. So this, this is a part that, that is a big deal. Look, at, look also, for example, at, at, at our Blessed Mother. We're almost done, I think. Look at our Blessed Mother when, after the incarnation, she has the Son of God in her womb. She's the Queen of Heaven and Earth, the Queen of all the angels, the Queen of all humanity, the most important woman in the world, the one that is entitled to every single honor that we can possibly imagine. The first thought in her head is, my cousin is pregnant. I need to go serve her. And it says in the gospel that she went festinante. She went rushing to her, to serve her. That's her first thought. So that's, that's true humility. And here, just to finish with this really quickly. If you serve the least that you like the person, the more annoying that it is to you, the more perfect your act of humility is. Let's say that here in the parish, you're here and, and there's a lady that says, uh, uh, Mary, uh, can you go mop up the, the church over there? Well, Father didn't say anything. No, how about you just say, yes, of course, just mop it. How about you go and say to someone else in the parish, what would you like me to do? How can I, uh, uh, why don't you get in charge of this and I'll just do whatever you tell me? When you see that happening, that is huge. That is beautiful. And, and, and that is how you ensure harmony. Think of this. I, I hope I'm not, make, not, not making the talk too long, but every single problem that there is in a family, every single problem that there is in a government, every single problem that there is in the church, every single problem that there is in society is because someone says, I don't want to put up with that. I'm too proud. I want to be on top of this. Everywhere. Satan, that was his thing. It was, I will not serve. No, I don't want to do that. Why me? Don't tell me what to do. And Satan does that. Adam and Eve, no, I don't want to serve. You told me to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to eat it. Don't tell me what to do. Damn. Think about it. Every single problem, every problem in your family would be solved if one of the parties or both were to say, I don't have rights. I'll just, I'll just give up my rights here, my quote-unquote rights. And I'll do what you want me to do, or I'll help you. Problem solved. 
Argument solved, no problems. Unless there is a moral issue, sometimes that's more complicated. But you see what I mean? Every problem that there is in any congregation, in any organization, that's why it happens. And so the opposite is to serve. Okay, to go really quickly. There are, so this, all of these things is, I'm talking about the perfection of humility. There's two things more and then we'll be done. One is to suffer contradiction. And the other one is to suffer being wronged. And I just want to finish. The first step of humility is just, you know, taking, taking things that you deserve. The next step of, of, of uh, humility would be to suffer things against your will. That's contradiction. When things happen that are not your will. I want to watch this movie. No, let's watch this movie. Okay. Uh, well, I want to paint it this color. No, let's paint it that color. Okay, against my will. And St. Teresa would say to her, her nuns, she would say, that's going to be holier, not that it's having revelations, not that it's flying on the air. She's going to be holier that suffers more mortification in this part, where you suffer things against your will to be done. And that is true humility. If, if someone asks me, Father, how can I know if I'm humble? Do you suffer things to be done against your will happily? Well, I bounce back. Well, that's, that's how you know. When things happen against your will, and you take it and you go like, this is your daily bread, basically. That's how you know that you're doing progress. And the third one, the most perfect one, this is like the extreme. This is where you are really looking like our Lord. Is where you suffer to be wronged. When you're suffering justice. And you take it also. And you profit. You profit from it. You know, when, when someone speaks behind your back and says something really, really horrible about you. And your reaction is, our Lord suffered the same thing. I'll suffer. I'll, I'll offer this up for my Lord. Or where uh, someone in your family commits a terrible injustice against you and they abuse uh, you know, their power or their, their, the love that you have for them or whatever else, and they use that against you. And you, instead of bouncing and jumping and getting the cross and just, you go say, okay, uh, I'll take it as my, my Lord took it. They said of St. Teresa of Avila, that if you wanted to be her friend, all you had to do was defame her. They said, the priest would say, if you want to be friends with Teresa of Avila, defame her. And then you'll become her best friend. And, and that's how she was. She would take it and they say that when she was, she was in one of her convents and someone spread uh, horrible things about her. They said that she was like messing around with priests and that she was like hor doing horrible things. And she was, they say that she would be like... I'm good, because now I'm, I'm, I'm coming closer to our Lord. So that's when, when you're really there, that's when you really reach humility. So I want to finish this real quick, but to end the conversation, I just want to go back to what I was saying. This is optional. I'm not saying that you have to do it. What, it, what is for sure is that you, you have to at least try it. You know, that, that's not optional. We have to try to be humble. But the world is going to say, no, be proud. God says be humble. They're opposites. Remember, don't expect people around you to understand this. If your friends see you waiting on your husband, they're going to say, like, what's wrong with you? You know, that's like middle ages, you know, this and that. It's like, don't expect them to understand you. 
You are not part of the world. The world is entirely different. It's enemy with Christ. So don't expect them to understand you. This is gospel teaching. If for the world, if you humble yourself, it's a shame. For God, if you humble yourself, it's an honor. They're entirely opposite. But I, I, I'll tell you this. This is the enticement, just to finish the talk. If you practice humility, and if you honestly try to succeed in it, I promise you, I promise you certainly, happiness, like true happiness, an incredible love of God. Like in our life, we usually don't experience the love of God as we could because of this. But when you humble yourself, it's like you're creating a void. What, who can tell me, what, what does nature do with a void? Fills it. Same thing happens here. When you create the void in your soul, of yourself, God fills it immediately. And so it's, it's just a natural reaction. So, any questions? No? This Advent season, let's keep this in mind. Then let's, let's try to practice it as much as we can. And don't be discouraged if you can't do it right away. This is an effort that takes a whole lifetime. But at least think to yourself, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to go. And when we practice humility, I insist on this. Don't do it out of cowardice. Don't do it out of fear. Don't do it out of uh, hidden pride. Do it just because you say, okay, Christ is my example. I want to be like him. That's why I'm doing it. That's, you'll see how humility then makes you stronger and better and more beautiful in the eyes of God. Okay? Okay. Let's finish with a prayer. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's in page 14. O Jesus, eternal word of the Father, Thou hast said, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. We thank Thee for allowing us to listen once more to the words of spiritual instruction. Assist us by Thy grace carefully to preserve them, and devoutly to live according to their holy teaching that we may thus become pleasing to thee in this world and enjoy thee eternally in the next. Who with the Father and the Holy Ghost livest and reignest, one God, world without end. Amen. The prayer for the, of, of the Arch-Confraternity. O Mary, Immaculate Virgin and Sorrowful Mother, intercede for our children with the divine heart of Jesus, thy Son, who refuses nothing to his mother. Holy Guardian Angels, Saint Joachim, Saint John, much beloved precursor of our Lord, Saint Joseph, powerful patron, Saint Augustine, Saint Anne, mother of the Blessed Virgin, Saint Rose of Lima, Saint Monica. All ye holy fathers and mothers, pray for them and for us. All ye holy children, pray for them and for us. Amen. Let us pray, O God, who has given us some of the blessed in heaven as special patrons, granting thy mercy that we and our children through the merits of the same and of all the saints, may receive the help of which we stand in need and practice the virtues taught us by their example. May we, O Lord, through the honor we pay them, become worthy of thy good pleasure and share in their powerful intercession through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for the deceased members of the Arch-Confraternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. And the perpetual rest.
May they rest in peace. Let us pray for the grace of a happy death for that member of the confraternity who will be next to die. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Let us pray for the intentions especially recommended to our prayers today. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Let us pray for the intentions of all the members of the confraternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Let us pray. O sweet Lord Jesus Christ, for the love of thy most sacred heart, we beseech thee to have pity upon all whom we have recommended to thy mercy, and to aid them with thy grace, who livest and reignest with God the Father and the Holy Ghost, forever and ever. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. And so let us in the Our prayer for the children. Luke, a most holy mother of our Lord, upon the great number of children, who through the fault and negligence of their parents, stray in the path of iniquity and vice, have mercy on so many poor young souls, who might be saved, but who will not, either because their mothers are ignorant of their duties or unwilling to fulfill them. Remember the bitter passion and cruel death endured by thy divine Son for those poor children. Permit not that his great love, his infinite merits be lost to them. For the sake of that keenest of all sorts that pierced thy tender heart, when you stood at the foot of the cross, obtain for those erring mothers the grace of their vocation, Obtain likewise for their children the spirit of obedience and grateful love, that the desires of the sweet heart of Jesus may be fulfilled by both parents and children. Amen. The prayer for the Edge Confraternity. O glorious Queen of heaven and earth, thou art the chosen patroness of all Christian mothers. Bless then the Arch Confraternity. May it spread far and wide. Obtain, we beseech thee, that all mothers may seek protection in its bosom, and under its guidance become perfectly what thou would have them and what they ought to be, truly Christian mothers, then images and worthy representatives with their children. O thou most pure, most compassionate mother of the divine Savior, and of all the children of the heavenly Father, who have been regenerated in the holy sacrament of baptism. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the O Mary, my mother, to thee do I flee. Thy heart is so gentle, so loving, so mild. O Mary, my mother, I'm longing to see that heaven of glory so purely thine own. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'll give you my blessing. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, descendat super vos et maniat semper. Amen. Sit down just a little bit because I want to give you two uh, things before I go. Just two exceptions. Uh, and I forgot about this. The first one is, we were talking about you waiting on your family. If you have children, that doesn't mean that they're not supposed to serve because you want to be humble, but you have to teach them humility too. 
So they should also serve, right? They should do help with the dishes, all that kind of stuff. So when you practice humility, don't forget that your children have to be humble and obedient. So have them be humble and obedient, even if that means that you have to be like, you know, clean up the bathroom, do this, do that. The other thing that I wanted to mention is this. As I said that, you know, you have to put up with all these things. There are cases where one has to defend oneself or get out of something. So I'm talking, for example, of an extreme case. Let's say that, that someone is being beaten up or things like that. Well, maybe the Holy Ghost inspires you to suffer martyrdom, but no, there are cases where you actually have to say, okay, no, this, I have to pull out of this, you know, for my sake, for the welfare of my children. And God is usually very clear in those kind of cases. I have had, not here in America, but I have had cases where I have to confront my superiors. And God kind of makes it very clear, okay, this is something that you have to say it, because here's a, a very good way to know. Am I sinning or is the other person sinning because of this? And if the point comes where I have to stop the sin, then it's not about being humble anymore. You have to stop that. Does that make sense? So for example, let's say if the husband is doing something like that, you have to stop it. Why? Because he is sinning. So you don't, you, don't want, you don't want to be like putting up with it because then he's sinning too. Or if my superior is doing something wrong, I have to stop it. I have to say it because why? He's sinning too. So that's, that's how you know. That makes sense? Okay, that's just, I wanted to make that, that exception just so that there is no confusion there. All right, that's all for the conversation. And if anybody has questions, you can ask me too, but yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Nobody can sue me for this talk, okay? <laughs> <laughs>